Hey folks, and welcome back to The Prestige, a podcast by movie lovers for movie lovers. At this point, you know the score, we pick a film, we talk about that film, its contents, its themes, its ideas, its presentation, things that spoke to us about the film, and our general feelings on the movie itself. We're currently going on a world tour, going travelling around the world, looking at different countries and the cinemas that we don't normally experience. My name is Rob. I've spent a lot of my life in and around the creative fields, including a large chunk of that time making movies for Hollywood, working on film sets around the world. And my co-pilot on this uh, podcast is my good friend Sam. We've been friends for 28 years now. Um, No, not 20. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Sam is a writer, a teacher, a lecturer, teaching and writing about literature and English. The idea being that I bring the practical experience making movies and Sam can bring the intellectual and the academic approach to the movies to talk about. Sam, how are you? What have you been watching? Um, Well, I'm very well, thank you. Um, It's like we haven't been talking at all. Um peep behind the curtain we have been talking for the past half hour shh can't tell that shh in terms of <laughs> in terms of things I've been watching well we've we've had some time off um been watching a number of things um I did want to talk about the most recent thing I watched which made the biggest impression on me um it was a very good sort of revisionist sort of historical western called The Harder They Fall which is um, notable in the industry for having an entirely black cast um, and also for being uh, I believe a Jay-Z production or at least he was involved somehow Um, and it was very good it had Zazie Beats, whom I'd never heard of, Idris Elba, whom I obviously had heard of. They're both very good. Um, And it was just, it didn't necessarily have the ending you'd expect, but it was just quite satisfying. Um, And, yeah, I enjoyed watching and I enjoyed particularly seeing that um, sort of revisionist approach to Western films, which can get... I find a bit tired and white-centric in terms of race. Um, And it was just really quite refreshing to see. So, yes, The Hard Way Fall. And um, the director has set it up for a sequel. So there's more to look forward to on that. How about you? So it's been a lot. As you said, Sam, we've had a bit of a break. It's been a long time. I'm going to whiz right through some of the uh, movies I've watched since we last recorded, things that I really rated and I think uh, are worth it up on. Well, that, that's good because I've just been watching MasterChef. Excellent. So first of the bat, and any parents probably heard it, Encanto. I watched Encanto at Christmas. It's brilliant. It's, it is the runaway success that uh, it deserves to be. Um, if you are a parent haven't seen it, I envy you that you haven't lived with all these songs, but you probably have. Um but it does the 
lyricals stylings of uh, Limon Miranda are brilliant. The story is heartfelt and continues Disney's trend of not really having villains and having the stories be more about personal conflicts. And it's just, it's beautiful and brilliant. Um, other movies I've seen that I've loved, I saw Major Resurrections, which I thought was brilliant and a wonderful follow-up to the previous three films. I know people hated it, but I think it hit all the right boxes and was just top-notch all round. I have seen, well, I've seen recently, I, I talked about it previously on a small episode, a small batch of Titan, which is a Cronenbergia-esque horror movie. It's just brilliant. Um, it's not for the soft of heart, shall we say, but it is really, really quite something special. Um, the other two things I was going to talk about that I've seen very recently, I watched Tick, Tick, Boom, which is on Netflix, which is a Andrew Garfield musical telling the story of the writer of Rent and his previous musical Rent, which is called Tick, Tick, Boom, about his attempts to get a previous musical made. Um, Andrew Garfield is a actor that I must say I've never held in amazing esteem. He's been their character actor background sort of thing. I think he was he suffered from the not being the strongest of the Spider-Man films. Um, but he was brilliant in this. He was heartfelt and heartrending, and I just really, really liked it. And it seems to resonate in that idea of being a creative who makes things and coming to terms with the thing you make being good but not being a success and how you move on from that and being about the creative process as much as it is about the creation of that process. I finally saw Spider-Man No Way Home, no Way Home um, which is... I don't think I liked it quite as much as generally everyone else did, um, but I thought it was very, very good, and I am currently in an ongoing rewatch of all the Bond films. I am six in currently. And that is a whistle-stop tour of the last couple of months of my life. Which, was it No Way Home? When his no Way Home, yes. That's the most recent um, Spider-Man, so it's the third Tom Holland movie. Right. Um, and it's well-beloved and held up. It got you know, very well-rated at the time, and it was very it was good, but I don't think I was as, as keen on it as um, others were. Talking about that probably gets very spoilery very fast, um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um. As you're talking about, I was a rack of brains to think what I've been doing. Yeah, yes, flippantly, I haven't been watching Master Um But I have, I, I, I'm sort of, sort of done less reading in when when I've been busier um, in recent years as a parent, and I've got more into reading. I think that's something that I've done more over the last. Once I've read the latest Richard Osman book, which is very good, um, and I've been reading a bunch of new crime fiction. My wife got me a Christmas Christmas gift that involves some new crime books, so I've been enjoying that. Um, so yes, 
strange enough on a film podcast I'm recommending turning the TV off. Um, but yes, that's what I've been doing over the past few months. And I've either, having enjoyed the Reacher TV series, have been reading some of the Reacher books, so uh, Which, I'm right there with you a little bit. Actually, we, the, the book I'm currently reading is a Jack Reacher. So, oh, there you go. Is, is the TV series good? I really enjoyed it. Really, really it, 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 was, it was what inspired me to start the books. So, Right. Is it Apple TV, Netflix? Amazon. Amazon. Um, so yeah, yeah. Cool. Um yeah, we should get on and talk about the film. We probably should, yes. Yeah. On. <laughs> so film this week, guys, is as Rob said, we're taking a well after our break, before our break, we were taking an extended journey through the world and we were journeying through Latin America. Um, and we arrived at Columbia with the 2015 film Embrace of the Serpent. Embrace of the Serpent is um, a 2015 Colombian um, internationally produced film um, and it's almost entirely shot in black and white and it follows the stories of two 
adventurers um, space several years apart, um, encountering Amazonian peoples, particularly through one character and their relationship with this one particular character who acts as something of a guide for them both. Um, And it's notable for the number of languages. There's sort of a, a... there are very many languages, including languages that might be more familiar to our ears, so Spanish and Latin and bits of English as well. But there are lots of um, native South American languages in this film. Um, and the filmmakers seem to have, in, in that respect, seem to have tried really hard to make this uh, Authentic depiction of these peoples. Um, It won many awards. Um, But, Rob, how did you feel about it? Now, I've got a small history with this movie. Um, This isn't the first time I've watched it. Mm. But it is the first time I've finished it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ah. (laughs) And... It's one of those movies where, if I'm honest, I think on my previous attempt to watch it, I probably didn't give it its full full attention. It was the kind of thing you throw on and you end up talking to your wife or your, on your phone or whatever. And I just bounced off it a couple times. I watched the first 20 minutes and realised I had no idea what was happening. I wasn't interested in it at all and just never went back. Mm. I think I did that twice. Um, knowing we were coming to it on the podcast, I thought, you know what, no, Rob, take the time. No. Phone off, windows closed, curtains closed, watch it properly. And I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. It is, in many ways, a very frustrating movie. Um, And I think I can see why a film like this, as brilliant as it is, is going to turn a lot of people off and why it probably turned me off because it doesn't in in any way adhere to any kind of westernized idea of a narrative or a hero's journey or that kind of thing it isn't that simple or that obvious a narrative or a story or even a meaning and a message but i really liked it this time and it really stuck with me and the sort of the sense of being there and i think i think having seen weirdly seen having seen at some point of christmas i watched uh uh, the Jungle Cruise, uh, Disney, r- the Rock movie, and mm. these films ostensibly are very similar, but couldn't be further apart. And the feeling I got of this one of actually being there, and actually the texture and the the reality of this world, despite at many times being incredibly heightened, especially the stuff around the missions. Um, and some of the interactions with sort of the secondary characters and the bit characters, like they aren't, they're played for laughs and they're played for this heightened surrealistic um, sort of almost posed um, style, but it still had this real kind of realism to it that I really liked. And and to bring it full circle, five years to my early obsession on the show, there's a real Brechtian element to this movie that I want to dig into as we go on. Sam, how is it for you? Well, (laughs) uh, 
Yeah, there was lots to admire in this film. I agreed with, I found so interested in lots of the things it was saying. Um, I appreciated lots of the stuff it did with language. Um, and at times I really got on board with how this film looks. But to be honest, it just left me a bit cold. And I didn't really... I mean, the last note I made is WTF is this film. But I just didn't understand what was going on. And I just felt turned off from the film because of that, because I didn't understand it. I can I I can entirely understand that. I mean, you know, I just said it took me three attempts to get into the movie, and it is it is a frustrating film in that it doesn't doesn't I don't want to say for it, it it doesn't very easily let you in, mm. and I can see how a film like this, especially as you as you mentioned in the, in, in the description there, its authenticity with its languages and its locations. It becomes something that's important to the people of the area. Like it, yeah. it's, it's a sort of thing where, if you are in in this area of the Amazonians and you are tired of seeing your your country and your jungle and your culture portrayed in movies like The Jungle Cruise, yeah. a movie like this that has genuine um, tribal actors has genuine languages presented and brings that authenticity to the screen i can see where it wins the points for that yeah um, and in the same way that you know something like um your you've been watching on the edges elba film like there's an element of it being this revisionist western with an all-black cast there is something admirable in making a revisionist western with an all-black cast yeah irregardless of the movie itself yeah um and I think that's a good thing. I think that's the right thing. I think this film is. I can see why it plays so well for that local community, and why it becomes this kind of it's like, like you know, this rallying point for that community on a, a world worldwide scale. Yeah, yeah. I can see. I mean, as you say, sort of politically, this this is a really important film. Mm. Like, I'm really glad that this exists. I'm really glad that a film in which a main character can say you're nothing but a white and show that real anger exists. Mm. That, that anger towards the colonising people is really, it's really good that it exists on screen. I just didn't really get on with the film. And I can, I can understand that. I think often on this on our, on our show, it can often be me convincing you to like a thing, um, <laughs> and I don't kind of want to do that here because I think that I can entirely understand why someone doesn't get this movie, doesn't get on with this movie. I can mm. entirely understand that point of view, and it's not where I feel like I need to convince someone they like it. Like, if you don't like it, that's okay. Um, it it is a a tricky movie. For me, I think one of the, one of the things I liked about it, I did enjoy strongly this double narrative. 
yeah this you've got these almost these two mirrored journeys up the up the river with the same guide at two points in his life and the latter one the more modern one is you, you this like opening scene of that you find out that he's tracing the previous routes and the previous guy dies doing it so all the way through the more historical narrative you are aware that he's not going to make it Mm. Um, and that's where i think this the kind of this brechtian idea of the audience having this knowledge of the future of the story that the characters don't Mm. not in a like a dramatic irony kind of way in which you know we we know something about the world that they can discover in a twist. Like this is like, we know how this is going to end because we've yeah. also seen the future. And I think it makes these two narratives become more about each other than themselves. That the interplay of these two narratives, seeing the guy at different points in his life, seeing the mission at two different points in history, um, seeing the end result of finding the, uh, the, the plants that becomes the more interesting narrative rather than just being two together, I suppose. Mm. You know, it'd be very easy for this to be two stories that you just see happening at the same time. But by knowing how one of them ends, it starts to not be about where that story ends and how it relates to the main story more. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I think... Part of my lack of understanding is is just being a bit tired because I didn't realise until afterwards that it was the same mission mm. and it seems to be in in what you're saying and also my understanding of the film after the fact is seems to be less fragmented than I initially thought. It seems to make a lot more sense. And I kind of like that. And although I don't necessarily want to go and see the film again, it would, I feel, benefit from a second viewing for that reason. Yeah, I think that, I mean, and ultimately the film is about the descent into madness in the jungle. So there's going to be elements that are disjointed and there are going to be elements that aren't looking to make cohesive sense. Mm. You know, something akin to something like I know, Apocalypse Now, where as as he journeys up the river to find Colonel Kurtz, like he starts to go mad, and so the film starts to go mad, and the film ends up being this replica, and that's where the the, the film's obsession and the madness that goes with coming up the jungle to look for this plant starts affecting the movie itself. And so the fact that it's disjointed and at times, I don't know what the word for it is, but everything happens in media res. Like at no point is there much exposition. You just kind of got to get on board with what's happening and try and work out what's happening from inferred moments and, you know, talk of rubber tapping, all that kind of thing. You have to work out what's going on. I liked that. But I can totally understand how, like, some people wouldn't like it. An example, something like 2001, The Space Odyssey, which mm. is a very different film, but had it, like, had a very similar ending. I don't like that film. I, it just doesn't get, I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't enjoy it. I don't think it's something I want to watch again. I just find it a bit indulgent. 
Mm. And I can entirely understand that reaction to Embrace of the Serpent as well. It felt, I think, it is 2001 is a good comparison. It felt to me also at the start very like a field in England. Like there was that yeah. that Wheatley vibe to it. And it wasn't just the black and white at the beginning. Um, something of this, like you said, of being in medias res and thrown into a story, um, which is something you get in, in Fielding as well. I do, I, I like this idea of, I was thinking of this as a film about authenticity and about the, uh, I suppose, the, well, what you were saying about um, the revisionist Western that I watched, the, the fact that this exists as as, uh, as itself a form of revisionist history. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, listening to what you're saying, this does, it feels like this is a film about madness. Mm. This is a film that the, the filmmaker invites you as a reader to experience what it is to be mad and, and as as a watcher this is what you go through and I think, I think that's for me one of the strengths of it is that if you, if you by submerging myself in it on the third attempt I got on board with that that makes sense mm. yeah mm. so Sam yes do you have some recommendations for us I do um, I have one sort of a thematic um, which I suppose it, it ties in with this, this idea of a journey um, and particularly a journey through Latin America it's the Motorcycle Diaries mm-hmm. which um, follows the I suppose the early life and studenthood of Che Guevara as a medical student um, and I was particularly thinking about um, a point where he travels with a colleague to a leper colony and his experience of that and how that shaped his politics later on so that that's a good comparison and also an excuse to mention Gael Garcia Bernal is good um, and my second recommendation is um, from Brion Davis, who played Evan, played the American. Um, is this is actually a recommendation for two series before? Um, well, see what I mean. Th- this is this is a recommendation for Narcos Mexico, mm. um, which. Brian Davis is a part of, um, but I really like the first two series, first two seasons of the original series, and Marcos Marcos Mexico takes over in season four, by which point I lost interest. Um, so my recommendation is is actually for the first two seasons of Narcos. I suppose the the link here is with Narcos Mexico. Fair enough. How about you? So I've got two. One you've already mentioned, um, which is A Field in England, which is a movie we actually done an episode on way, way back. Ben Whitley's film, mm-hmm. 
the Second Civil War, England, about some diverters who flee into a field and come across wizard, um, and they're forced to help him, and it ends up being a insane drug trip of a movie. Um, I would say a field in England's probably a little bit more chaotic than Basic Serpent is, but it has that same kind of vibe. So it was certainly reminiscent of it for me. My second recommendation is a 1977 film called Sorcerer by William Friedkin. This is the tale of four men who are hired by an American drilling company um, in Colombia. They live in this remote village in Colombia and they're hired by this company to drive some unstable nitroglycerin across the jungle to a drill site. Uh, there's a whole reason why for an explosion, but they've got to get there with this with this nitroglycerin. It is possibly the most tense I've ever been watching a movie, watching these four men drive these trucks full of very volatile explosives across the jungle, dealing with rivers and bridges and trees and all of that. And also the reason why I'm bringing it up now, obviously sort of set in Jungle Haven, Columbia, but it also has that same descent into madness. The men who are doing this journey lose their minds doing it, basically. I don't want to say too much, because it, it's a film that has some twists and turns in it, but it's I, it was absolute revelation. I only watched it recently. It's an absolute revelation to me, this movie is. Um, I cannot recommend it highly enough, and it has that real strong link, uh, I suppose, with Embrace of the Serpent. Brilliant. We so we will continue our journey through Latin America next time. Um, until then, you can get in touch with us both at Prestige Podcast on Twitter. You can find just me at Kaiju FM, or you can find just me at an email address that it's been so long since we recorded an episode that I've entirely forgotten. Um, just find us on Twitter, we'll be fine. Prestigefilmpodcast at gmail.com. That's the one. There you go. And we'll see you guys back here in two weeks' time. The Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr!